and welcome to this, the second episode in this brand new second series of the Rise Productions Irish Theatre Podcast. I am your host, the self-appointed cheerleader-in-chief of Irish Theatre, Angus Og McAnally, Artistic Director of Rise Productions, a freelance actor, more recently a director and a producer here at Rise. I am a... 21-year veteran of the Irish theatre scene and a third-generation theatre maker. And as ever, we are coming to you live from our studios at the Irish Theatre Institute in the heart of Dublin's cultural quarter of Temple Bar. And this second series is coming to you with the very generous support of the Irish Arts Council. And as ever, we are bringing this to you absolutely free of charge. We've promised that we'll never ever charge for these conversations, but we would ask you to go out and support Irish theatre and of course the most direct way to do that is to go and put your hand in your pocket and buy yourself a ticket if you like that can be to a Rise Productions show we are on the road at the moment with the good father all around the country Um, but it doesn't have to be Um, go and buy yourself some tickets to any show that's happening anywhere near you at the moment Um, if ticket prices are a little bit out of your reach this week or this month maybe look at one of the crowdsourcing websites see if there's a way that you can go and support over there Oftentimes, donations can start from as low as a fiver and there are always great rewards in return and of course there's a whole heap ton of ways that you can support without putting your hand in your pocket Go and tell people about this podcast. We're there to get the word out. So if you get the word out about us, we can get the word out about the shows. Um, tell people about the podcast, whether that's in person, over a cup of coffee, or a pint, or for a walk on the beach, or whatever it is you do. Um, or else you can talk about us online. You can share the posts on Facebook. You can retweet the tweets. You can do whatever it is you do on Instagram. I don't even know which one that one is. Um, and take it on from there. Another good way to help us is, of course, to go and subscribe to the podcast over on iTunes so you don't need to worry about downloading it each week it just comes magically to you and do go back and listen to all our other episodes we have uh, all of series one up at this stage go back and listen back to the great stuff there Uh, and while you're there having a listen do please leave us a review on iTunes or if you're a little pushed for time simply click to rate us on the five star rating system it's a one click deal it's the easiest thing in the world you can do and it does a huge amount to boost us in all the search algorithm things that makes us go top of the charts Uh, and as always you can like rise productions on facebook we are facebook.com forward slash rise productions ireland or you can follow us on twitter we are at rise ireland so here we are back for a second week and we are still alive and still in one piece and yes of course on the first week the brilliant kate gilmore got the podcast to the number one position uh in the podcast charts we are again the number one arts podcast in the country. Um, it kind of feels weird at this stage that you would almost take that for granted um, with it being such a huge achievement, but it seems like every time we go at this thing of making audio content, we we seem to get there, whether it was the first series of this when we did the two series of the short audio dramas as well. Um, and now this second series, everything we do goes on to top the charts and that feels really really nice so all I can say is thank you all so much for getting out and supporting for subscribing for liking and sharing and all those other things that we ask you to do each week um I'm eternally grateful it's a, it's a real confidence boost and it kind of makes you feel okay well we are back and we're doing something worthwhile so it's been a good L week um very nice to get back to the top of the charts and also it's been a kind of a hectic week we are rolling out this week for the very first dates on the tour tour of The Good Father, the first kind of outside of Dublin stuff. So as you listen to this on Friday, we will have played in Tralee last night in Shem Satira. 
Uh, and tonight, Friday, we are rocking it up to Roscommon Arts Centre, uh, bringing great art on the road. And it's a very happy thing. It's really great to come back to so many of these venues that we've established a relationship with over the last six or seven years. Places that we've toured Fight Night to, that we've toured Games People Play to, that we've toured the Christy Hennessy Show to. Uh, so now to be going back and continuing to develop those audiences outside of Dublin, because, hey, I'm one of those crazy people who thinks that there should be an ecosystem for theatre outside of Dublin and so we're really committed with Rise to touring stuff as extensively as we can as often as we can um, so it's lovely for us to be back out on the road it's a 10 venue tour, we're going all over the place, we're as far south as Tralee as I mentioned, we're as far west as Galway we're as far north as Armagh um, and we've got a good few dates around Dublin as well between the three weeks we've just finished at the at the Viking um, plus we're playing in the Pavilion of Leary and we're also doing a full week out in the Civic in Tala. So we're bringing this show pretty much wherever you are on the island of Ireland. We're getting reasonably close to you. So there's no excuse not to come and see it. And we would really love you to come out and, uh, and join us in the theatre because um, it's a show we're immensely proud of. Um, I think we've done an all right job on it. Audiences are really, really loving it. I mean, the idea that those solid three weeks in the Viking, are, you know, completely sold out, turning people away, standing ovations every night. It's been going really well, and the reviews, and you know, <laughs> reviews are reviews. We've got a policy at Rise that we publish everything, good and bad. Um, sometimes that bites you in the ass because you get a bad review and you got to put it out there. But what it does mean is that when the reviews have been as uniformly excellent and positive as they have been on this, it means you can kind of put those out across social media and not feel like a total douchebag because you're going, well, look. If they were bad, you know, I'd put them out too. And the fact that they're saying nice things about us, you kind of do it with a clean conscience, which is which is very nice, and it suits me down to the ground. So, look, again, not too much from me. We don't need to hear me rabbiting on. Let's get talking about our guest this week, who is one of the good guys, for a start, but also one of the best young actors knocking around. Um, I am, of course, speaking of the brilliant Ian Lloyd Anderson, who, okay, he's from Baldoyle, but we won't hold that against him. Um, Eno is a guy who has been making serious waves internationally the last little while, which I'm delighted to see because... He had really established himself here in Ireland as, um, I, I kind of see him as the inheritor of that kind of Aidan Kelly role that Aidan had here for a long time until he made, made the move over to London. Um, you know, he is proper leading man material. Um, he can carry a show. He's a fantastic actor. He is a lovely guy to be around and a great guy to have in a cast and in a company. Um, I think he's the bee's knees. Uh, we have some similarities in our lives, which you will hear us discuss. Um, we've been pals for a long time, and uh, and I just think he's an all-around great guy. And I think he's a guy with an interesting story, too. So speaking of which, let's let you hear that story. Here it is. The wonderful Ian Lloyd Anderson. The wonderful Ian Lloyd Anderson. How the fuck are you, my friend? I'm all right, Angie. Okay, right. Here's the deal. I was doing me little prep for this. And as I'm thinking about you, I started thinking about a lot of things. And so I start thinking, you know, very talented actor. Uh, Northside dub I'm proud Coastal town You know Made a big name in Plough at the Abbey Took over the world With showing a bag Married your high school sweetheart Blonde Attractive primary school teacher What is it about my life That you just feel You need to mimic In every fucking way <laughs> You did that very well Thanks very much I don't know man You do something to aspire to uh, Thanks very much Right okay Sorry Enough taking the piss um, Let's go back to the beginning Because um, I want to spend As little time as possible With the Baldwell man uh, As I possibly can um, where, where does it start for you? Why the theatre? When did that happen? Um, why the theatre? I 
I, I, I did a I did a play in school one time. Um, there was a there was a musical being done in school. I think I was in four almost fifth year fifth year in school, and uh, I had this um this really brilliant music teacher. I did music in a as a subject like going through school, and she wanted someone who could sing. And she said to me, "Look, we're doing this play, and I really want you to do it." And it was Fiddler on the Roof, and she and I was kind of I've said this before. I was kind of going, "There's no way am I doing this." Like, you know, I have a girlfriend in school and I'm way too cool for that shit. Like, yeah. there's no way it's happening. And uh, I remember my dad kind of kicked me up the arse. He went, well, you're doing it. And I was kind of going, well, no, I'm not. Old time, we're not happening. And he was going, well, it is happening. So he dropped me up, made me do it. And I did do it. And um, I kind of loved it, like, really loved it. And um, I enjoyed sort of being like, centre of attention. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Uh, which, you know. I had to beat out of myself, I suppose, as I went through drama school and entered into it as a profession. But I think that was the, that was really probably the first time where I went, oh, maybe this is something I really do want to do. And then, um, but I still had never really seen a play. I mean, I'd gone to see things as a with school or whatever, yeah. but I'd never really seen a professional production. I didn't really know my arse from my elbow in terms of you know what it was until I kind of really got into drama school I suppose and realised you know when you start to learn who people are and you start to see different names and then it sort of dawned on me that actually you can make a living off this like this can be a career and uh, yeah and then you know I guess there is that thing where you know at some point it shifted from being a hobby to being a job well go back a little bit firstly why do you think your dad was so insistent that you had to do it I don't really know he's always kind of um, well he's very supportive anyway but I think he was I don't know maybe he I don't really I'm not sure Engel to be honest um, but he, he really he wanted me to do it I think it was something he's always liked yeah. I don't know that he went to the theatre very much he certainly does now Yeah, he goes to see things I'm not doing and, uh, it's like my brother he won't come and see never me never see anything I know you can see everything I do twice like, but I, I don't really know why but he obviously just thought this is uh, he probably just wanted to see me in a play <laughs> you know? but then okay well then so cut to two years later and it's leaving certain time it's going like what am I going to do with my life uh, it's a ballsy move to then go to drama school. Yeah, and I remember sort of telling everyone that I had been accepted into drama school, and I hadn't. And uh, I like totally taken my foot off the ga- well. I take my foot off the gas in school probably two two and a bit years before that. Like I was fairly smart. <laughs> uh, like I was decent in school, and I did all right. My leaving cert, I probably would have done okay if I, you know, done any work. If done any work, but I wanted to be an actor then, yeah. so that was it, and it was sold on it. And uh, yeah, kind of driven to do that. Uh, I wish I had that drive now, you know, I kind of wish I was, sometimes I say to myself, you don't work hard enough, you don't push yourself hard enough, but then, you know, it's it's a fine balance between sort of pushing yourself really hard or being over eager or being maybe over confident or cocky or, you know, it's always, you're always, I don't know, I'm always, you're always trying to figure out where you stand as an actor, even just to yourself, yeah. you know, it's it's hard to you know, you can sometimes maybe come across as quite confident, but actually all the time you're just battling these sort of questions that you have in your own head, you know, within the work. I don't mean, I'm not sitting at home going, what have I done? But <laughs> you do, you constantly are questioning yourself, which is probably a good thing. I don't think I'd like to be any other way. No, because it keeps on your toes. Absolutely. Um, so applied to the Gaiety and got into the Gaiety? Yeah, but let's be really honest about it. Applied to Trinity and didn't get into Trinity. <laughs> Uh, Listen, it's, it's a, it is a cut of ball, but let's well, not, let's I, did, not on I, it. I did, and I remember it because I, 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 I got through the first round of auditions, and you know they, they used to put a, um, put names up on the window, and everyone would go down and check I their names. And well. I, met, I met two lads that day, uh, Jerk Kelly and Connor Madden, 
we never made each other before the three of us we went for lunch and we all did that and they still slag me about it like you know <laughs> I came down after the monologue bit after we'd had the call back I said they said how'd you get on I think I was first I said, I said how'd you get on you know and I said good and I said like I managed to squeeze out a tear that's so real acting that was good acting and uh, yeah well Jack Kelly certainly has never let me forget that <laughs> like we were she's what like eight nine years later and we're sitting in Columbus, Ohio doing Play on the Stars and they come off stage one night he said how'd you get on I said yeah it's gone really well he went you squeeze out any tears <laughs> oh Jesus you just can't escape it but yeah uh, so what year is this this is and so you would have been there go oh, actually Huh? That you would have been there, you would have been in their gang then with Connor and Jaron all that kind I of would have been if I got in, yeah, but I ended up not getting in, went to the Gaiety and came out a year before they did. So yes. jokes on them guys. <laughs> um, and who was in your gang in the Gaiety? We had we we a really good year, we had a really strong year. Even though you were in it? Even though I was dragging it all down and <laughs> bringing it down, yeah. There was me, okay, I won't say me, but there was. Uh, we had, <laughs> no, we did, we'd great. We'd uh, Keelan Dawn, Elizabeth uh, Gibbon. Lorna Quinn, uh, Chris Gallagher, who's a really good actor, Caroline Power, who I just thought was incredible when we were in drama school. She's such a brilliant actor. So we had a lot of people who uh, you have gone on and, and, uh, and kept working. Very, really, it was a strong year. It wasn't, it was, and it was kind of good because what would happen was not that it was competitive, but other people would li- would lift other other people up and along. I think, and it, I think I kind of. Uh, sort of come into my own quite late in drama school do you? yeah I I definitely think I did like I would say I would have been definitely one of the weaker ones going through well in in my head but I guess I still feel that way so it's not like that's nothing new you know and was there were there certain areas where you felt right this is my comfort zone I'm really good at you know analysing text but I'm not good at voice or I'm great at movement but I'm not good at fucking tap dance or whatever yeah I was really bad at dancing I was uh, really bad at mime I think I didn't have to do a mime by the end she just kind of gave up on me she was like you're just terrible and I was perfectly fine with that it still hasn't uh, I don't think it's uh, held you back yet hindered me too much Um, the thing about analysing text and things like that they're all sort of uh, like yes they're hugely important but but they different actors work in different ways so what I what I realised at one point I remember it was quite not an epiphany but I remember a moment of going he used to sit down there was this guy uh, he used to take a class and it was like um, it's basically you know you'd read a play and then you'd discuss it and you'd work through the text and uh, there'd be people who would like they could talk about plays for hours and I remember thinking I can't do that mm. partially because I'm bottom my arse reading the plays half the time but even when I did I go I can't do that but that's irrelevant because I could work through it in my head and then physically do it. So that's far more important. It was all well and good doing all the talking you want, but eventually you've got to go, well, let's close that script now and get up on our feet and let's see what happens then. And you can analyze it that way because it's only in the doing of it that, you know, anything that you actually try something that you really see the results. These plays are not written to be read. They're written to be performed. Um, so that was kind of a, that was a really kind of a nice moment for me. I remember, and you know the way you, 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 when you work, you learn lessons, but you don't learn the lesson until two years later. Like I have two really good examples of that. I remember Annabelle coming. I remember I, I saying to her one day, she was, Annabelle's great and she really goes into a text and like analyzes everything. And uh, that would be kind of, I, I, I remember first couple of weeks, I found that kind of tough. And then Annabelle gave me a note one day and uh, she's extremely eloquent, really intelligent woman. And she, 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 um, 
she said something to me whatever she said anyway I went there was about four words in the sentence that I understood because of my limited vocabulary and uh, I said to her look I am um, I said look I can't really work like that and I said to be honest I'm not even really that sure what you said to me but I said if I feel something and I want to work it that way I said I'll and I want to tell you about it I'll go I feel like he's fucking angry here or he's you know and that was the way I would express it and she went that's perfectly fine and from then on it was really lovely like yeah. you know so there was no thing of having to keep, I, I question myself all the time in rehearsal rooms and I have to stop and I still do it where I go oh I'm not smart enough to engage in a conversation about something like that but it's not either subjective and I, yeah. and I, and I can look at it my own way and see something different and I don't have to be able to um you know, to express it in the same way that someone else does. I have my own kind of vernacular in the way that I speak, and uh, that's and I can I can put it out that way, mm. and it's still just as valid. Well, also because I mean, Jesus, never mind drama school. You still see chancers now in rehearsal rooms who talk and talk circles yeah. around themselves, specifically because if they have to stand up and do it, not that they'd be found out, but you know what I mean. Oh. Like it's you know, there, yeah. there's an awful lot of people throwing up a lot yeah. of smoke screens. But then there's other things. Like I remember another example of that. I remember of like just learning a lesson over time. I remember doing uh was doing the rivals and uh you know someone had told me you know you hear and people say oh another actor should never give another actor notes and i kind of go okay that's fine and and that's sort of true to an extent but there's there's noting an actor and there's helping an actor and i remember nick donny uh said to me something about uh the way i was walking we were wearing kind of heels it was period piece yeah. and he said uh he was. He sort of said to me, "You know, you, you need to, you need to, you need to walk." And he kind of, he didn't tell me how to walk, but he was trying to help. I never even told him this. And I remember for a bit two years, I thought, "Oh, I hate what an Nick asshole! How yeah. dare he?" And I don't. I think Nick Dunning's a brilliant guy. And it was about two years later, I was doing something else. Can't remember what it was. And I remember thinking, Nick Dunning helped me there. I wouldn't if he hadn't done that. I wouldn't have known. And so it's just funny. You can blur the lines for yourself, and you can take things up the wrong way. But if actually, if you just take everything for what it is no one's out to do you like Nick Dunning's not going I'm going to tell him how to walk so he doesn't get my parts we ain't going to compete for the yeah, same that's, parts so he's <laughs> really just being mix. a really helpful man and, he's, and look if someone like him turns around and says here's a bit of advice you go yeah take it grab that's, it, stick it I, I love that again um, in a shock move I'm about to mention pro wrestling which wouldn't be like me no. um, that thing of going to the more established veterans for advice you know, will you watch my match and give me any feedback yeah. like I will happily go to a Dara Kelly who has funny bones and a whole shit ton of experience to go there. I'm like seven times out of ten I'm getting the laugh there, but there's another few times I'm not. What am I doing? Yeah. And he'll go, well, you know, I wouldn't. I go, no, I'm fucking asking you. Mm-hmm. And he'll go, well, I'll tell you what, why don't you try this? And of course, if he instantly unlocks it and you nail it every night, then you're going, oh, okay, Grant. But yeah. I, I love that kind of on the job learning, you know, which I think is vital as well. Yeah. But I, well, I love, but I love remembering where the lesson came from because as I said maybe it's through my own stubbornness but very often I figure out a lesson that I learned but it was the lesson actually happened two years ago yeah. but it's only then that it's actually in practice and it's become something you naturally do where you're not thinking about it when did you leave the Gaelic then? I can't remember I think it was 2000 um, what, what you, I think I'm t- I think I'm are you 10 I'm, years I'm out? nearly 10 years out yeah yeah, it that feels that. a bit right. Yeah, it doesn't feel nice though. <laughs> well, you've done all right the ten years. I know, it's hard to um, be a millionaire. How, how how was it when you came out first? What was it like? It's okay, when, yeah, it was good. I mean, well, again, like I uh, was doing my graduation play and I got a part in a film as I was doing that, and uh, I got like I don't know, like fifteen days on this thing, and I thought 
I'm making loads of money. This is easy. Like this is better than I'm gonna be rich forever. I thought like loaded, loaded. I thought I'm, I'm, I have chosen the right path. Uh, thank God I'm not a doctor, like, <laughs> you know. And I, oh yeah. And then you know, of course, the realization comes when that gig ends, the money's gone, and you're going. I don't have a job, and it was quite slow for me to start. I got a, I did Dante Dan. I think it was my first play with David Horn, director. I saw you in that, didn't I? I think you probably did. Yeah, yeah. I was like a big. I was like a 16 stone 12 year old boy battering around I remember I was so big at the time I remember I went to go off stage one night and the set didn't fit we were doing it in the rammer yeah. in Virginia and I knocked half the set down because he used to have to kind of go off as if I was on an imaginary horse oh Jesus the thought but it was really good production I remember it was great it was me and Sarah Green and Jen Laverty and Dorothy Cotter and a guy called Frank Prendergast and uh, I loved it like and it was great it was a really good experience and, and but again, even then, like it was like I was going, I'm making loads of money here. That was when companies like Gallo Glass had yeah. loads of money to throw at you. Yeah, you know, back um, in the good old days. Yeah, yeah. And then you start to, then, and then of course, then the, the the big one for me, and still the big one for me was uh, was then I think it was probably a year later, maybe six months later. I uh, I made my debut in the Abbey. That was the that was that was the big one for me. Like, tell me about why playing the Abbey means so much to you. I yeah, we've talked about this lots of times. I, I don't really know. Like I'm, I, I, I well, I do know. I do, I do, no, absolutely, absolutely, I do know. It's because it's my national theatre, obviously. But I just, I love it. Like I love the whole idea of being part of that story. I love, like genuinely, I love it. There is nothing excites me more than being on the Abbey stage. I, 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 like you could put me anywhere else in the world, and I've I've worked on really good stages and really big stages, and. Uh, there's just it's 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 mine. There's an ownership over it. There's um there's a pride in it being your national theatre. I it, it just gets me always. I I, yeah. I adore it like it's because well, it, it is it's pulling on the green jersey. It's in our yeah discipline. yeah. And I always try and shy away from that kind of analogy because I just because it, it's just like it's because it's not football. It, it, it but but it it's just there's an immense sense of pride in it. Like I I know that when when I I remember thinking. I remember when you were coming out of drama, when I was coming out of drama school, there was people like Tyg and um, Tyg Murphy and I think Ruth Nega and there was others and they were, they were kind of in there all the time. You were looking at them going, oh my God, look at these guys are nailing it in the Abbey all the time, all the time. And I'm thinking, just one, I just want one. I, all I want is one. And Aidan Kelly was there all the time. He was kind of, uh, I, I used to look up Dango a lot. Or, or, <laughs> Christ, I'll take it now. I wonder if they're going to edit that one out and just play it on a loop. Edit it, yeah, forget it. Yeah, that'll be the whole episode. Uh, <laughs> but Ada was always there as well, and uh, and then it was a lovely kind of a thing where my first scene was with Ada. Was it? Yeah, it was really nice. Yeah, Dead. yeah. And he, I remember he whispered in my ear on the first preview. He used to, I used to come on, and uh, I think he'd grab me by the nuts or something and kind of threaten me. But he leaned in, and I remember he went, uh, "You're playing a blinder like that into my ear, really quietly." Like obviously no one else heard it because it wasn't in the script, but um, I remember thinking, oh wow, like yeah. that couldn't have that couldn't have been cooler. Now I was kind of annoyed that he did it because I was kind of going, what are you doing? That's my debut. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, it, little things like that. So um, yeah, I, I still love it. And then you know to to look now and have kind of done a lot of work there. Uh, you know, still you still get excited by it, and yeah, it's mad. I think that's awesome. I think I know Kelly is one of those guys who genuinely does take people under their, under his wing a bit and look after people he did the yeah. same for me in the early days yeah as well. he was great he and was great because I, like, I think the majority of people 
in the business are like that and then there's a handful of people who are you know pull the rope up off pull the ladder up off you and just go no fuck it I'm up now and everyone else going but, yeah. I, but I think I think the majority of people out there would support aren't they yeah I think so yeah I mean that show was really special because there were so many levels of people like that you know you'd hear McCarr was on that and uh, Bosco Hogan um, uh, James Brennan like and just people who were just were genuinely into the fact that you were doing it and just were really cool to be around huge cast uh, huge cast six lines didn't care I loved it I just I loved it I loved it song. it was brilliant and to this day it's the one show I wish I wasn't in in another way because Tom Von Lawler gave the most amazing performance I think I've still ever seen on the stage and yet I only ever got to see it from the wings I know what you mean I always wanted to sit out and sit and watch it but I got I got the shout about that I was doing what was I doing I think I was doing something up in Project maybe it was The Nose and Rory Nolan oh, with the performance corporation and Rory Nolan came up and said have you seen The Abbey yet I said no I haven't he says you need to get down and see it I said why he says because Tom has raised the bar for all of us that was frighteningly brilliant like and it was funny because with Tom like I didn't really get to know Tom at all on that gig because he was quite like um, he's gone fairly method on it like you yeah. know I thought oh this guy's just really standoffish which is so the opposite but it was amazing to watch him do what he does and it's great now to see him having the, the career he's having and well deserved because he's worked hard for it and he's uh, you know he's a great example in, 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 in what in what hard work does you know it's just like your you and your dad's quote yeah. that, came your, that came from your granddad didn't yeah, it yeah it is just, I'm a big fan of hard work and that is the thing that you look around it and you see you see in so many people that the harder the work the luckier they get there's no totally. there's no great mystery to it Um on the subject of Tom Von Lawler, uh, love hate. Oh, thought this was a theatre podcast. Sure it is, but fuck it. <laughs> Come here. Like, unlike anything since I suppose since the Reardons, but even more like it, it captivated the nation. Like it was proper water cooler moment. Everyone has to sit down and watch it. What was it like to be inside it? Yeah, it was great. I, I always feel like I'm bluffing a little bit when I talk about it because I was kind of a a bit of a I wasn't even a secondary character I was like a 15th and dairy character I was sort of I was what like so but then I guess as it went on I kind of grew into it and it was I loved it I really loved it and you don't get very many gigs like that where because it went for five seasons I think I did four yeah and a lot of us did four like me P. Cowan a good few of us did four but you'd you'd be waiting like that every every I think it was um, March and they go it's coming back and you go Delhi and then you'd go back and you'd be doing a gig again with the same crew so you'd all get back together after a period of time there was probably you know a good maybe 20 of us that would be going back every year so you'd, yeah, it was really I was cool it was brilliant it's great to it was it was great to be involved in because it was people were so into it and it was so positive like it was uh, like you know I don't mean positive I don't sound like a tossing it's still lovely but it was it was it was cool to be part of like and uh yeah, I don't really have anything else to say about it, That's but I, just, right. I did. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I really did. Yeah, and because because you weren't as secondary a character as it moved on. I mean, okay, maybe to begin in the early seasons, yeah. but you got more and more. Yeah, no, I, did, I did. And I was really that? I mean, did. in terms of long stretches on camera, is that as at the time was that as uh, kind of the most involved you'd been oh, in terms of camera? Jesus, stuff? yeah, 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 big time, yeah. Yeah, I still don't get a huge amount of camera work. I think it's starting to turn a little bit. I'm getting a bit, but I'm getting better at it. And that's that's what was so beneficial about Love Hate for me was that it was uh, by actually by being on set a lot, but not actually doing that much. Yeah, you could really, if you're smart, like in those situations, you can soak a lot of it up, like. And that was uh, so. That was probably the biggest benefit for me with it. Ah, and, 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 and I shouldn't say that. And to be part of it, yeah, was was, was brilliant. And 
from any of the people I've talked to about it, they said that the team on it was awesome. Ah, yeah. The, crew, the, team behind, the crew particularly were phenomenal, amazing. Phenomenal, phenomenal. Ado and Dara, I couldn't even name them all. They're all, like, they were just... And they were into it. So they worked hard. And they worked hard. Mm. Like, they'd go over. And I would question they probably weren't even getting their, their overtime. Because it'd be like that horrible sort of, oh, we got 10 minutes over, we need the shot. You know, this yeah. kind of thing. But they were dedicated and they, they, they'd do it and they'd get stuck in. So they were as much a part of it as everyone else, you know. And the lovely thing about Love Hate actually was, you know, the hardest gig in the world is doing a day or maybe two days on a film or television gig because you're not integral and there isn't enough time for everyone to spend to try and get to know you because there's too much work to yeah. be done and you can't and it's all about getting the shots so what I loved about the crew out in Love Hate was when someone did come out to do a day or two people weren't ignored there wasn't that oh he's in doing a day I don't know who he is Mom, we'll have our lunch it'd be how are you come on over let's all have lunch that's that's a big deal when you're out doing a day or two on something yeah. if someone does that but also it's a benefit to the shoot because of course then, it is. because people get the temperature of the thing and you're on board and, yeah. you're, and you don't feel like you've just been you know transplanted in like some alien being well, down also, if this. You, someone comes in to do a day and they can't settle because nobody's made any kind of an effort with them they go down on set they don't know anyone and suddenly they're staring down the barrel of this sort of pressurised thing where they've got to get everything right now that's not good because that makes it difficult. That become it becomes a, cha- a sort of a challenge then, as opposed to just we're making something. Yeah. So when it goes the other way, then they're comfortable. Mm-hmm. And you know, if someone who's doing three lines on something is really good, then it works. But if they're shit, <laughs> if it looks shit, you go. Yeah. It kind of can drag everything else down. So that was a really good thing. It's true. Um, you've done a lot of new writing. Have I? I think so. Yeah, you've done probably a fish yeah. as well. And yeah, a lot, have, of, yeah. lot of a lot of new stuff. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about working with new writing how do you feel about having writers in the room how collaborative a process do you like things to be I like it all okay like I love acting do you know like it's so new new plays are brilliant new plays are brilliant but also there's something really nice about doing old plays where you go at least we know this works yeah you know um but doing new plays, yeah, it depends on what it is. I mean, you like to, and sometimes it comes down, you know, sometimes you have the luxury of going, oh, I don't think that's great, so we'll, we'll sort of steer clear of this one. But very often, you know, you're not in that position to go, you know, because you've got bills to pay and you've got things to do. I've been very lucky. I've done a lot of really good new plays. Um, but I think uh, I like when the writer's in the room. But again, you know, it's like it's like saying I like beer <laughs> some beers are nice some beers are not nice yeah like you know you can have a writer in the room who doesn't sort of realise where his boundaries are mm. and that can cross his or her boundaries where that well, I, should, I shouldn't say his or her because I haven't done a new female writer's wow. play to be honest yeah which you I know, guess tells its own story does tell its own story yeah um, but you you uh you know, it can be really brilliant, but it can also, it can be de- not necessarily detrimental, but it, it can certainly hinder things yeah. in a rehearsal room if, if, if they overstay their welcome or if they do get too involved. Yeah. You know, but then you can have certain writers who are excited by the fact that you do your own thing with it, which is mad. Yeah. And actually, it's usually the ones who are the most sort of uh, secure in themselves and very often are the ones who are very successful. Yeah. 
Um, right. Speaking of new writing, mm-hmm. uh, there was a brand new play that you came to a while ago, which was called Dublin Old School. Uh, was that any use? No, that'd be an example of a bad one. <laughs> and the um, writer was terrible. Oh yeah. When, so did that come about when we were doing Major Barbara? That conversation happened when we were doing Major Barbara, yeah. Myself and Kirwan were in, Emmett Kirwan were in dressing room in the Abbey. Um, and we were in that kind of middle act, you know, that, that, yeah. that middle act in Major Barbara. So you were kind of off for the first act, do your middle act. And then off for the whole second half. Lazy, but go on. Yeah, totally some of us, some of us earned the paycheck on that job. Uh, but look, it's grand. It's uh, fine. Like, yeah, I know, but they're what we call a handy number. <laughs> and uh, and and Emmett kind of had uh, he was talking about sort of maybe doing this thing, and he mentioned it sort of briefly, you know. And I said, oh yeah, I could totally be into that. Didn't think much of it. And then, about a year later. He said to me, do you want to get involved in this thing? He said, I'm going to do it. I want to get into the room and do it. And I was going, oh, that actually does sound really cool. But I was working. I was doing um, I was doing a few in Evil Days down in the Abbey. And uh, I just sort of mentioned it to Mark. I was like, I'd love to do it. It's in the fringe. But I know we're rehearsing and we're going into the festival just before that. And Mark was like, no, look, sure. You've only got that one big, long scene. Yeah. He goes, well, we'll just work around you. He goes, go and rehearse and do what you need to do. So me and Emmett started. And then I started rehearsals. And then we would work evenings or whatever and it was it was brilliant Mark was actually really kind of great on that because he, he and he was very supportive to Emmett as well at when, when he came to see it and even just allowing me to go and, uh, and do it because Mark Oro could have pulled ranks on that I mean if he's he doesn't do that he's not it's not his style he, he, he's uh, again like he there's an example of a writer in the room and he yeah. well now it was different Mark was directing yeah. the play but you know and Mark, Mark, Mark could be very specific but he also you know you're there on your merit yeah. Um, so he knows that you're going to bring something to it. Not he's not going to stand there and go not like that, not like that. You know. <laughs> yeah. But even still, if you think okay, so world premiere, brand new play, mm. national theatre, Dublin Theatre Festival, oh. and still goes. I know it's grand. We'll find time to work around you to go yeah. and do your little fringe show, yeah, it was your cool. little show and bag show. Yeah. That's pretty cool. But that's yeah. a measure of the man as well. Mark is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, he's top man. Yeah. I mean, well, that was like you know going to drama school. It was like I remember um, you know be doing things like you pick a scene bring it in and they were like I remember different sort of acting teachers in there and be like well, can you just pick something that's not Mark O'Rourke or Conor McPherson just once just once <laughs> like, okay yeah whatever um, when did you know that old school was as good as it was uh, first time we did it in front of an audience yeah first time we did it in front of an audience really yeah what was it it's just this mad reaction that he went that's not normal yeah, that is not normal at all, uh, and um, the Mill School is like it's, it's brilliantly written piece of theatre, like it's fantastic, it's a beautiful story, and it's heartfelt and it's real. But it, it, and it has this amazing knack where um, you know it's really really funny, but then in those brother scenes, it was like we were just flipping a switch, mm. and you would have these like amazing silences, people going, "Geez," and quite sort of emotional scenes, and then. He's a brilliant thing where he can just puncture those silences with a huge laugh, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Wait, wait, wait. It was probably then, but you you never knew. Like going through the rehearsals with it and stuff. I remember going in we to do a sort of a performance of it for the crowd for the, oh, sh- yes. the show in a bag crowd. Yeah. Um, I put ten people in the room and we we're doing this hour long piece. And I had about two laughs, and I'm going, I knew this was a bad idea, but you know, I'm so glad that I did do it because I tried to bail on the first Friday. Did you? Yeah, I was like, oh, okay, well, I can't be rapping, man. I can't rap. Like, 
he was like, it's not rapping, you know, it's not rapping. It, 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 it's kind of spoken word. I was kind of, I don't know what that is. Yeah. Um, but um, Kim kicked me up the arse when I got home. I was like, he said it was brilliant during the week. What are you talking about not going back on Monday? And I was so, I'm so glad I did. And it was unbelievable. Like, it's just this never-ending journey. I mean, look, we've just done the film. Uh, we've been all over the place. We're going to Canada uh, in January, we've been to the National Theatre in London. It's mad, like, totally mad. It's kind of deadly. Um, in terms of career bucket list and stuff, mm-hmm. we spoke already about how much you love the National here. What's it like getting on the stage in the National in London? Yeah, yeah, that was good. That was really good. Uh, the, we did Dublin All School in the Dorfman. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was a big deal. It was a bigger deal because it was me and my mate doing our show together yeah. and getting it there with our mate who directed us Philly um, and our mate who was producing it Keen and it just so it, it's kind of all the more special because of that uh, you know sitting there you're, you're going walking onto the Dorfman here with this utterly Dublin play and just it was like the you know, concert I remember the Thursday night it was like Paddy's on tour like it was like it was like there was no one English in the audience and it just <laughs> It was crazy. I remember me and Kieran were sitting in the dressing room afterwards, and I think we'd opened on the Tuesday. We were sitting in the dressing room afterwards, thinking that was some show. Like that was nuts. Like fellas shouting out in the middle of it because they were getting too into it. And we were going, oh, "Would have been deadly if that was Tuesday now for the opening." You know, it's kind of <laughs> nonsense. But uh, no, it was really, it was brilliant. It was really good, and it was lovely to go over there. I always kind of said if I ever went to London, I'd like to go with work. Yeah. You know, uh, not to be kind of just going over there and sticking my hand up, going any jobs. Yeah. And it was great, and I've uh, been back since. Uh, which was brilliant. It was great. Yeah, it's not. I mean, the national twice in a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, been, not a bad old year, you know. No, it was good. It was good. It was really good. Now, like, I wouldn't undersell it. I, it was, it was amazing. And this second time was uh, on the Olivier. Yeah. And uh, that was four months of honestly one of the most enjoyable gigs I've ever done in my whole life. Um, not least because I had this monologue in the middle of it where I'd come out sing Oscar Elga and then scream about the English being cowards to a lot of middle class English people in the in the Olivier and then get killed but we don't need no we don't need to dwell on that no but it was no but it was great and and, and, you know you do have them moments where you go wow this is this is fantastic and it makes all the hard work worth it and in terms of the London thing right because there's it's always kind of a debate about kind of you know do you need to be based over there can you be based here do you need to crack over there to make it at all or is that like is that the ambition or what what how do you feel about the whole being there being here working there working here uh i'm never going to move there if yeah. that's what you're wondering because i have a wife and child here uh kim is very successful at what she does she's a she's a school teacher vice principal um she, you know she's She's worked way too hard for me as an actor to go, come on, I want to go here because I want to try to do this. Uh, and then what is success like? Do you know, like, I'm a successful actor if, if I have a roof over my head and my child has loads of nappies and loads of food. Yeah. I'm a complete success in my eyes then. You, you can't, measure it off other people I know and I used to do it I used to go oh he's doing that I should have done that what? nonsense absolute nonsense get over yourself get out do your work like if I'm if say 
say uh, there's someone that I went to drama school and they're with, with and they're doing a big film and I'm doing a profit share play and I'm beating myself up over it going mm, I want to swap why would I swap roles yeah because if you don't I'm not defined by what I do so you know I could be having great success in other parts of my life like it's not I, I just don't think I, I, I've stopped ever measuring myself off other people listen I'm only human there's times when I go oh, why didn't I get seen for that yeah but you know I, I'm, I'm winning if I'm winning if uh, you know if I've a roof over my head and, and, and you know and I'm very lucky as well because Ken my wife's really supportive of what I do like there's not many people who would turn around and go you know when you have a six month old seven month old babe well she's probably a little bit older at that stage but and go when I went this night to get in this gig in the National in London it's kind of really really hard to turn down who went it's not going to turn down she said get on the plane and go we'll figure it out yeah with the, with, the, with the brand new baby with in her arms baby. now in fairness she'd done most of the work on her own anyway because I'd been away no but I had it was like I'd never worked out of Ireland until Kim got pregnant and all of a sudden I was just never at home like. so you had signed up to the idea that you were going to be on tour in the States with the Abbey's Plough when, when Lily, Lily, was, when born. Lily was born, yeah, yeah. Um, but then I was in Edinburgh doing Dublin All School, and Lily arrived. Uh, do you me- do you remember where you were when you got the phone call? <laughs> this seems like a leading question. Uh, yeah, I do. I was uh, well. I do initially. I well, it, well, when I found out what was going on, I was in. A, I was about to do my show, and then I had been well. Actually, no, I was no. in bed asleep. In bed asleep with who? With you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, and I panicked. I'll never forget it. And we'd had a, we'd had a good skinful that night. I don't think I ever told Kim that I had a skinful of booze on me that night. But uh, remember then the next day. Remember I got up to the show and then I was got back. I was panicking. Couldn't get a flight. And I'll give you credit here. Thanks for once. Okay. But you looked after me so well that day. And I remember we were walking in and it was I think was it she'll kill me now. I think it was eight minutes to six as we were walking in the doors of Edinburgh Airport, remember? Yeah. And I got that phone call saying it was a little girl. That was mad. That yeah. was totally mad. Um, and then I was going back and forth for five days, yeah. doing the show in Edinburgh, flying back to Dublin, staying that night, flying back first thing in the morning, doing my show at one o'clock, and flying back to Dublin. I did it four or five times in a row. And then, yeah, it was nuts. nuts. The, the glamour of show business. Yeah, and then came back, came back home. Uh, we brought, Lily came home after 10 days in the hospital, and then, uh, I think I was home for three weeks and then I pissed off to America for eight weeks on tour. Like, she's something else. I know, the, 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 day, the day is going to come though where she just goes, uh, I'm going travelling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here, hold the, hold the baby. What doing, but what about the gig in London? Don't care. Don't care. So, yeah. Um, talk to me about when you're happiest what what are the magic ingredients of a good show what what do you need from a director what do you need from a play what do you need from a part what do you need from a a production company or a presenting house or whatever you see i always feel like i'm a bit of a con artist because i always because i still operate off the fact that i'm still getting away with it really yeah even at this stage yeah 100 percent. even more so at this stage you're good at it though I'm good at getting away with it. No, yeah. you're good at doing your acting. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. Well, thank you. But I, I, so I, I'm always afraid to kind of go, I think it's this and I think it's this. Like, I could say a really good director and some really good actors around you. But my opinion on what a really good director is uh, completely different to really good actors, you know? And I it's like, I love a director who, who, who I feel backs me as an actor. 
to make bold choices or well, no but just because I sometimes don't really back myself I, I, can, I'm, I get very affected if I think that director doesn't think I'm very good or that other actor doesn't think I'm very good like a constantly this stupid dialogue I've ne- I'm never able to shake it I'm better at controlling it yeah. now, but I, I'm never able to utterly shake it so when I'm in a room then with a director who goes like you know, who's who just not is and I don't mean is giving me free reign because that's that's not good for anyone either because yeah. I'll just you'll just go off the deep end and I'll just click into classic Ian Anderson and I'll just start shouting you know it's like well a bit of subtlety there maybe man. squeeze a tear out too yeah maybe shut up you yeah, <laughs> start um so. I think someone who someone who when you, I think when you feel trusted is when some of your best work will come out. But also in saying that, sometimes when your back's against the wall and you feel utterly challenged, it's when your best work comes out too. But it's a, you know I imagine as a director, I'd say in some ways, man management is a, is a, is a really big part of it, and, and managing someone's confidence is a huge part of it. Like I, I'm very much operate off off of confidence. If I'm very confident in a gig, you know I'll feel really good about it. But then in saying that, some of the best gigs I feel I've ever done weren't critically acclaimed, and some of the things that I didn't think were great were kind of really good so you know it all depends it all depends and a lot of it depends on what's going on in your own life at the yeah. time when you're doing it so if there was a listen if there was a formula for it we'd all be Riverdance ah, producers man, I'd be loaded like, <laughs> I really would um, but then you know sometimes you get into a room and you just go oh this feels really good you know it really does and then you know you there's sometimes you just, you go oh my god this actor's on this gig and you get really excited by that you still have some actors that you really want to work with you haven't worked with you know like there's a couple where I'd be like oh, I still haven't worked with you know um, certain people like like big heroes of mine and Gary Lydon really yeah he'd be the one for me now where I go I have to work with Gary. Maybe we get rise to do some Billy Rock stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's listen. If you can do that, then go. <laughs> but yeah, it's really fun. Like he'd be a big, he'd be probably he's probably my favourite actor. Really? Yeah, Gary. Yeah, I think he's amazing. Wow. He's absolutely incredible. I don't know Gary very well. Like I met him a few times and stuff. Probably he's probably like that guy. Really likes me. Fanboy. <laughs> but I yeah, I I think he's he's incredible. Right. Well, what do you like? in an actor from sitting in the audience watching them on stage and then what do you like from an actor in, in a scene with you or is, and is it the same thing uh, it probably is the same thing I mean there's a like I, I never like anything that's too like a lot of people I don't like anything that's too on the nose I don't I I love like subtlety I love when it's small but when it's but it's still theatrical like okay. it's all well and good gone really small really subtle and you go yeah but it's fair play but do it with a camera on you then because yeah. it ain't reading back here mm-hmm. but to be able to do that kind of that subtle small realistic acting while keeping it utterly theatrical Declan Conlon's brilliant at that very true he's amazing at that um, Janet Moran is incredible at that uh, now you, you know you can't do that in every piece Like you start trying to do that with Shakespeare game over mate flatten your face forget about it yeah. but you know, as a general rule, I do. I love that kind of, uh, yeah, that, that that sort of subtlety. But again, as I said, utterly, it has to be utterly theatrical. Otherwise, you're in a different genre then. And it, and that's the same for you on stage with them as well, is it? Uh, yeah, and just eyes. Give me your eyes, like you know. Sometimes you actors and they're looking all over the shop, and you're going, oh, just just look at me, because we'll find it that way, you know. And I'm yeah. as guilty as that as well. And I'm as guilty as of not listening sometimes to other actors, and you know. But, I don't know because I don't know how you're meant to feel when you're doing a scene. I don't, you know, in my head, you know, 
people tell you, oh, I was so in it. I don't know if I've ever been so in it. There's been no, I've, you know, that I've gone through a whole play thinking, oh, I didn't even know what I was doing there. I just, it just happened. I'm constantly thinking about what I'm doing. I constantly, yeah. you know, trying to, well, you, you know. Gotta, you gotta marry the two. You gotta marry the, obviously the emotional truth and integrity and, but also it's, it's a skill, like as a, like a tradesman, it's a skill. You've mm. got to work your craft as you're going through it. Because otherwise, otherwise, if it's a fight scene, you'll punch someone in the nose. Or if it's a love scene, you'll give them a big smooch or whatever. And like, you know, so you gotta, you got to keep a tight rein. Well, you do, you do. <laughs> Particularly you do. at the moment. No, but, but you, you, you really do. Um, but I, I also, do like, with acting and, and with theatre particularly, look, I love the, the kind of, the skill of it. And as you say, the, the trade, or, you know, of, of, of when you're on stage and you're and it's not an easy night and it's not a night where you know audiences are just lapping it up but you've got to be sort of focused on what you're doing so you've got to kind of be physically quite aware of yourself vocally quite aware of yourself you know engaged enough in what you're doing that you're feeling okay well maybe this audience just need we just need to slow it down here and we need to make sure this is clear and you go okay well maybe it's not working so let's focus on the clarity let's focus on you know it's things like that it's really exciting and there's an achievement in coming through shows like that yeah because that's where you kind of go. That's the difference. That's where you go. This is a profession. This yeah. is a skill, and it is a profession. Professional actors, you know. This, this, you know, you know, amateur dramatics are fantastic. They're great, and it's huge around the country. And I totally. But professional actors. That's why you're getting paid. You're getting paid to work this and to make it the best thing it can be. Not everything can be the best, th- the best thing in the world. Yeah. But as long as you've tried. You know, different different factors can pull something down. So, right, we're about to wrap it up. Um, we've talked a little bit about about success already. So, ambition wise, because right here's the thing: you are at a particular point in your career where you are working solidly and steady in good parts. I think for an awful lot of people around you, they would look at you and go, "If I had a career like Ian Lloyd Anderson, I'd be doing all right." So what, not, not a kind of bullshit, like where do you see yourself in five years, but like mm. where do you see yourself in five, or what, what do you hope is happening for you five years down the road or 10 years down the road? Um, I hope that I'm still earning a living. I hope uh, that I can still comfortably call this a job, my full-time job. Um, I still have certain places I want to work. I still have certain companies I want to work for. Um, I still want to work with you know I have the place I haven't watched is certain lots of companies I haven't worked for I still I still want to work with Druid yeah uh, that would be sort of the next big thing on my own book at least um, just certain writers I want to work with still um, I, I, it's hard to sort of know where you'll be in five years because I don't know where I'm going to be in five weeks yeah you know work wise I really don't uh, I don't know where I'm going to be in five months uh, see so you just well, you just hope that you. Well, you just hope that you still. Well, I hope to be a better actor than I am now in five years, because that's that's kind of how it works. I kind of go if I'm not always improving, well then I kind of, well then I'm I'm gone a bit stagnant, and there's not, there's not like yes, it's a job, but there's no crack in that. Yeah. I want to be able to improve. I want to be a better actor. Um. Yeah. Well, five years as well. Yeah, I suppose my little one will probably get to see me in something in five years. So that'll be the, that'll be another big thing. That'd be deadly, yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, she'll tell me the truth. <laughs> she's already given me lip, and she's only fifteen months. So yeah, I love it. But anyway, this was ticked off my bucket list now. Feeling good about it? Yeah, Royce Brooks and Theatre Podcast. Well played. And uh, pow. Can I just say? Go on. Um, I listened to every episode of the last series, 
and uh, I think it's, I think this I think it's brilliant. I think it's really important, and I'm really glad that you've brought it back because I think it's a fantastic archive to have, and uh, I think you should you're, you should be really commended for that. Well, thank you very much, you know, and well, I'm well, delighted to have you on. Thanks, Angie. Mutual appreciation society. Well, you know, let's uh, let's turn the, Why don't we turn those microphones off? And uh, <laughs> what's better, Portmore or Baldoyle? Baldoyle, asshole. <laughs> So there you have it, the brilliant Ian Lloyd-Anderson. Really great to hang out with Ian Owen and have a good chat. Uh, and I think it's some kind of interesting insights into his mindset and his approach to the business. And I think it's really telling that, you know, there's a guy that's had so much success and, as I said, so much more success coming internationally now in, in recent years uh, and still really grounded, really, um, really humble. Um, but a guy who is in total control of his skill set and uh, I think the sky's the limit for Eno. He's a, he's a real good dude. So look, that brings us to our usual weekly roundup of what is going on around the country and wouldn't you know it, the Great Rise Productions are on the road with their great production of The Good Father. Um, as you listen to this on Friday, we are in Roscommon Arts Centre tonight. We're in Galway's Town Hall on Monday, which I'm massively excited about, of course. Um, we are at Glore in Ennis on Wednesday, Riverbank Newbridge on Thursday. We travel north to Armagh as Marketplace Theatre on Friday and then on Saturday we are back out west at the Lime Tree Theatre in Limerick. Do please come out and support us if you can at all. We would love to see you in the theatre and to share this show with you and of course why have one tour when you can have two. So our Christy Hennessy show is also out on the road at the moment. It is midway through a 25 or 26 date nationwide tour. We've just had extra dates in Tralee so I don't even know what the tally is anymore but it's, um, it's a massive big machine that just keeps rolling and we're delighted with it we're delighted so many people are turning out to see it and having such uh, an incredible night at the theatre so yeah we are on the road we this week are in McCroom Tralee Ennis Navan essentially the two tours are chasing each other around the island it's a bit of crack but it's getting interesting but it'll be fine uh, all the details for the Christie show are at facebook.com forward slash Christie tour and then as we look at some of the other theatres the Abbey Theatre downstairs in the Peacock has fire below directed by the great Jimmy Fay, and then upstairs they're about to start previewing for Let the Right One In which I'm hearing an awful lot of very exciting stuff about looking forward to seeing that um, at the gate The Red Shoes is coming up directed by Selena herself and starring the brilliant Marion O'Dwyer and a whole host of awesome folk there that will definitely be worth a roll of the dice um, at the Gaiety Theatre they have Ballet Ireland's Romeo and Juliet and that will be followed by the Gaiety Panto which this year is Rapunzel and as you heard on last week's episode with the brilliant Kate Gilmore I'm a massive Gaiety Panto fan. I will be hopefully there this year if Santi brings tickets again. He's brought tickets pretty much every year the last five or six, so I'm optimistic. Um, at the board, gosh, Miss Saigon continues, and that will be followed by Sunset Boulevard. Get your Norma Desmond on. Um, Theatre Upstairs at the moment has Sacrament. Uh, over in the Civic in Tala, they have Close to the Sun, written by the awesome Philip Doherty and starring the ever-brilliant Mary Murray. That is definitely worth your time if you can get out there. Um, at the Viking Theatre, in Clontarf where we've just finished up um, Judas standing Andy starring Andy Murray I should say is happening out there well worth a roll of the dice too um, at Bewley's Cafe Theatre in the lunchtime slot is strutting and fretting by the awesome Chris McCallum um, and over at the Pavilion in Dunleary they have From Eden by the great Stephen Jones um, and they will also in the Pavilion have this beach this beach is out on the road at the moment coming to a whole heap of venues um, Body Language by David Bulger is at the RHA Gallery, uh, You Could Be Us is at Smock Alley, 
Nothing But a Toe Rag by Ashling O'Mara, who I did Rebel Rebel with last year, is coming to Axis in Ballymun. Ashling is a phenomenal actress, but also a really solid writer. Um, of course, Ash co-wrote um, Rebel Rebel with Robbie O'Connor. So um, there's someone with a serious pedigree uh, premiere a new work out there in Ballymun. Do get out and support if you can. Uh, then we head down south. The Everyman in Cork uh, will also have this beach, as we said, is on the road at the moment. Um, going west to Galway in the Tyveyark, they have Dunamantri Hina at the moment. Uh, down in the Lime Tree, they have Boom and Dubliners Women, both of which are doing particularly well at the moment. I think you'd be doing well to get tickets for either of those. So if you're going to book, book now. And then up north, we have in the Lyric in Belfast, they have at the moment the Dumb Waiter. And they also have What the Reindeer Saw. So that is us. That is episode two in the books. Thank you so much for joining us for another awesome week. Let's keep it all ticking over. Um, we will, of course, be back next week for another chat with one of Ireland's leading theatre artists. But in the meantime, this has been the Rise Productions Irish Theatre Podcast. For Angus Og McAnally, I'm Angus Og McAnally. We'll see you next week. Bye.